Amen. You can be seated. As you can tell, I need prayer this morning to be able to talk a little bit. That's unusual, isn't it? Actually, this is the first day I've been able to talk since Wednesday. A little bit. So, you go to Canada. Had a wonderful weekend. Wake up 2 30 uh, Monday morning to go. Six inches of snow. Wind blowing. Nobody out but you. And basically with the preacher's throat, guess what happens? And then you come home Tuesday, take a flu shot. And when you take a flu shot, guess what they give you? I know everybody said, don't take it. But I got it. If I get over it, well, then I'm, I'm made, I got it made. Amen. I go out Wednesday to get to move my lawnmower over to the house. The guy calls me Thursday and said, uh, you left the door open. I said, no, I didn't. They left the door open, all right. Someone had come in. They took the refrigerator, the stove, the hot, but they cleaned us out. So I don't have to worry about nothing else anymore. I said, outside air conditioners, and it's cold. Maybe they don't need air conditioners. Well, it's awful quiet. <laughs> so how do you feel about that? The uh, agent said, why do you, how do you feel about it? Did it upset you? I said, no. I said, I'm just glad that they done it clean. They didn't tear anything out. They turned the water off the refrigerator so it wouldn't damage the floor. They set the door up on the side where it wouldn't kick it. They left the screws there in the bundle so I wouldn't have to go look for them. So it's somebody that knows me. <laughs> and they love me enough not to tear it up. So I appreciate that. But you know, and the devil said, now you prayed for God to protect your home and look what he done. So what kind of shape are you in? He didn't hear your prayer. I said, yeah, I must be backslid. So you go down that trail a little while. I said, no, I know I'm not backslid. Yeah, but he let somebody in your house. I said, yeah, but see, the devil made a mistake again. He made a mistake 20-something years ago, and he had to repay sevenfold. And I know who the enemy is, and the Bible said if you find the thief, he must restore and repay sevenfold. Now, I know the stove, refrigerator, and hot uh, the microwave is not worth much used. But in the new, and I'm going to put a good high price on it, plus the taxes. <laughs> so I figured up about 5000 should cover it. So the devil owes me $35,000. And I invoked that scripture. As a son of God, he owes me $35,000. He will repay. So I'm feeling good. Amen. I, I just hope he don't go out and tear out the copper tubing and whatever more. So he just owes it. The debt just gets higher and higher. So good morning, everybody. So hope we can, you pray for me that I can have a little voice this morning. So if you notice on your title there, the word made flesh number 21. Underneath I put group thinking. That's what my subject was going to be until I changed my mind. I took the notes out on that group that is group thinking, and Jason didn't take the title out. So don't, that ser this sermon is not about group thinking, although it is about group thinking. Billy and Judy, good to see you this morning. I'm a little slow. I, I recognize you're a little slow. Glad to have you up. So, but it's, the subject is not on group thinking. I want to pick up the basically number two part 
where Brother Bram said he wanted to preach on three things, and that was conditions the church have to be in for the rapture. Number two, what will take place just before the rapture takes place. And number three, how it will take place. Last week we looked at some of the things of how it will take place. This morning we want to look at some of the things that will, what will take place just before the rapture or the catching away takes place. What must take place just before the rapture takes place. The group thinking is they believe in Jesus. Now you can believe in Jesus and you can believe on Jesus as a group. And the world now believes on Jesus or believes in Jesus, which has nothing to do with the gospel. I was going to look at the thought that Jesus in the beginning come and he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus come and said, repent for the kingdom of God is not at hand. The message that Jesus preached for your salvation was the kingdom. Now we know that the kingdom is a millennial reign of which the Jews are still looking for and we as Gentiles are looking for. The kingdom of God to the Gentile church has also been a mystery or hard to understand. Seeing that the body of Christ or the church is the spiritual kingdom of God here on earth in the physical form. But there will be a kingdom of God where he rules and reigns on earth as king for a thousand years. We understand that. The Gentiles has been the mystery. From the time Jesus come and declared himself the Christ, the anointed Messiah, which they recognize him to be the king now to set up his kingdom. You can read the New Testament and the Jews had trouble understanding Jesus coming to be a sacrificial lamb. To be basically the Redeemer. They didn't understand this. The Redeemer because he had to bring in a Gentile bride. So the Gentile has been the mystery of God. The church. The bride. The Gentile element was a mystery. And we'll get to it in your notes. Because they had trouble with the Gentiles when it first started. When the Gentile received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So the mystery 2,000 years ago was the Gentiles receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And today the mystery of the Gentiles is how the Gentiles rapture to be in the kingdom. So in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God, basically the Gentile mystery, how we come in by the baptism and how we go out by the rapture now, the rapture being the end product is still a mystery. All right, Revelation 10, 7, which would be a prophet, is to bring that mystery to its climax or bring it to our understanding because we are a product of it. And as we said before, we must understand the rapture because it is a revelation. And once you understand the revelation of the rapture, which I believe that most of us do, it recognizes you as a part of it and in it. To be in the rapture, you have to have a revelation of the rapture. Okay, to have a revelation of the rapture, then you must know what takes place just before the rapture. And that would bring in Elijah or Revelation 10-7 to bring you this clarity or this revelation. Then we understand that without God or without a prophet, there is no God. And God must be present to basically bring a resurrection and change your mortal body. To take you in another dimension called the marriage supper of the Lamb. So there must be a supernatural God involved in our life and in this mystery for it to unfold. Because 
There's no natural thing that you could do to bring this to a climax. So it is essential for us to recognize that God himself, God, the almighty creator, must be here present on earth, revealed to a group of people. And basically that revelation puts them into a uh, form or a class and they know it. That will absolutely at its given time when the world reaches its position out here. Politics in the world is fastly coming to a close. That we know at a given time when the hat gets on the table so to speak. It would be our time for the resurrection and the catching away. So we will note I went to the question this morning because I want to look at eagle time. And I went to the eagle time and brought up a quote. And I want to refer to that quote this morning because the great misunderstanding And group thinking today is that there is three gods, or what they call the Holy Trinity. Almost every religious system believes in a Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Every theologian that you buy a book in the Bible bookstore will teach you, and they'll first start out, that you must believe in the Trinity. There's three persons of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and Jesus being one of the three gods. And the third God, the Holy Ghost, they don't know much about, but they know that He's God. That is a mystery and a a mistake or a misunderstanding that started the era in the church. Water baptism in the Godhead is the initial era that breeded this misunderstanding and brought forth all these churches and religions and cults and everything else in the world today. All right, that mystery must come to an understanding and a clarity. All right, if the group thinking of the world today is believing in Jesus, I will be saved then that group thinking is either right or it's wrong. Or I believe on Jesus, therefore I'm saved. Neither one is correct. There's a revelation pertaining to Jesus that saves you. And without that revelation, you're not saved. Amen. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So the revelation starts, number one, that this individual called Jesus was the Christ, or he was the anointed one, spoken in Scripture, to fulfill certain promises in the Word of God. If He is the anointed one, what was He anointed to do? The Bible claims that He was anointed to be king, and that He would rule and reign on earth until He subdued all things under His feet, even death, and at that time He would present all things or the physical kingdom realm up to God in the New Jerusalem are what we call the eighth day. And that's, that's carrying you through the millennium all the way over to the white throne, all the way over to the New Jerusalem. Now, what we want to look at is what things must transpire right before the catching away or for the catching away to take place that we will clearly understand that will bring our minds and our soul to a peace that no matter what happens around you, storm or raging like Jesus sleeping in the boat nothing upset him this storm is going to rage around you now Russia has gone down after the oil we got politics here we got politics here we got the impeachment we got the economy we got everything just on a, a balance that they don't understand anything can happen they'll throw this into chaos that can never be corrected again Like Trump said, if you keep me out of office, the the economy will go, and it will be a great depression like you've never seen before, which we understand the prophet tells us that there will be a great depression 
and where people just throw their money in the streets because they won't buy nothing. Now, he said you could buy a Cadillac with a quarter. Uh, I think I'm going to try to buy me a Corvette with a 50-cent piece anyway. If I got 50 cents, I want one just to try out. Not to make fun of the condition now, but it's going to come. So it's not to get yourself, oh, 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 it's going to come. There's a revelation that sets you apart that this does not bother you. We're something unique. We're somebody unique. So we're looking at this uh, question, and I turn to it. His question answer is in 1963. Brother Brown was asked the question about uh, children, I think, in water baptism. Will they go into rapture? And you know how the prophet is. He's long-winded. He begins to explain water baptism. And we've been over it, over it, and over it. Most of you were raised going over and over the same question. And lo and behold, if you get out into the world, the same questions are still in people's minds over water baptism, how to be saved, who is Jesus, uh, and the mystery of the Godhead. Most theologians today understand that there's three gods, and they can't explain anything different. But the Bible clearly teaches that's the reason why we have a problem with the Jews. is because you cannot sell a Jew on the idea that there's three gods. Because he's got the Old Testament, and the Bible said, The Lord thy God is one, and there's only one Lord. Now, if you look that word Lord up, that means there's only one Elohim, self-existent one, eternal one, God. But we've been looking at the scripture in Psalms 110.1 that is the key to the New Testament. It's the key to this message. It's the key to the Godhead. It's the key to understanding the appearing of Christ. And that is the Lord, Elohim, the self-existent one, said unto my Lord. Now, that Lord there is not God. Sit on my throne until I make all thy enemies thy footstool. Then you go down to being made a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And we didn't get there, but in verse 5, the one at his right hand now comes forth to strike judgment to the earth. Now we know Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb, is the one that brings judgment on the earth and basically smites the nations, cuts off heads of, of empires and heads of nations. That's leaders and rulers, one more. So this Jesus the Lamb, we'll get to it in the later study, this Jesus the Lamb has a wrath. And when you get into the sixth seal, or you get into the wrath of the Lamb, and you get into the judgments and the plagues and all that, you're under the second coming of Jesus Christ with the bride coming back with Him. So the wrath of the Lamb is a subject. The great tribulation is a period of time, but the wrath of the Lamb is another period of time that carries on judgments and judgments and judgments. Great tribulation is under two prophets. Moses and Elijah smiting the judgments on nations that comes against their judgments, whatever more. And we could go through that hour after hour. But then Christ comes in Revelation 19 with the bride, with his armies, as they kill two prophets. Now remember, when they killed these two prophets in Revelation 11, they lay in the streets of Jerusalem. And they lay there, what, two or three days, two and a half days as a type. The whole world watches them rise up. Shakes himself, so you've got a resurrection right there. Then they watch him ascend into a cloud. But if they notice that cloud now is the second coming of Christ. As he comes back to smite judgment on the earth. Because as the two prophets goes up, here comes the lamb back now to protect our 144, I believe, to protect the 144,000. Because we know that they're in the millennium with us. So that we'll look at that wrath of the lamb later. But what we're going to look at is this 
what will transpire before the rapture now. Before the resurrection and rapture, what must we look at? The prophet of God here basically goes in and he says, the man told him, he said, he lays out three pieces of garments here. One, two, three. Three pieces of cloth. And he said, now, Brother Branham is wrong because in, in uh, the Bible it says that here the Lamb of God, Jesus, is in the water to be baptized. Okay, now you've got an individual standing here to be baptized. The person of Jesus. You've got the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Then you have a voice in heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. And the man makes the statement, this proves that there's three gods. Here's one in heaven. Here's the Holy Spirit coming down. And here's Jesus, uh, the God in the water. So you've got Father God, Son God, Holy Spirit God, three gods. And that proves it. And Brother Bram starts out, and I start here. He said, now, the man misinterpreted the word. The man has totally misinterpreted the word. It's hid from the eyes of wise and prudent and revealed to babes. Now, it's amazing how he said now it's only revealed to babes that will learn. Babes are basically innocent ones or uh, don't have a fixed mind. It's willing to repent, change your mind. Most people have a group thinking. They go to denominations ever since they've been born. They go to church ever since they've been born. They hear a group thinking. They get around people that talk group. And it's group thinking, group thinking, group thinking. America is controlled by group thinking. We've got a spirit in the land. It's in our schools and colleges. And now enter into the churches of group thinking. Politics absolutely rules the church. It's, uh, it's of the devil. It's a spirit that's come over uh, the world, the nation. We're all under the influence of a spirit. That spirit is Satan because he will take control of the world for a short period of time called 1260 days or the rule of the Antichrist. So we're all being affected by it. Brother Man says, see, he misinterprets. Now, the eyes of the wise and prudent. He also says that about the rapture revelation. The wise and prudent will not understand the revelation of the rapture. They won't get it. Group thinking will not bring you the revelation of the rapture. Individual thinking will. Your thinking must be free to let God speak to you by His Word. It is an individual revelation. Now, we could get all in here and say, well, okay, now we're all going to agree uh, to a revelation, and we memorize it, and everybody agree, amen. Everybody, this is the way we believe, and write it out, and this is, this is what we believe. But do you really believe it, or are you just uh, going along with a group thinking? We have a group thinking called in the end time message. Most of them believe that basically, uh, since Brother Branham called Joseph a prophet, he's the prophet, that's the way it is, won't think nothing else. And they got a group that thinks that way. They don't want nobody in that group except you think this group way. Every church has its own group thinking. But we should be individually thinking by the Word of God. We only got one thinker that should be thinking through us, and that is the Holy Ghost. Amen. He is our thinker. Now, he said, now, here is that, I want you to notice that, here is that one person, Jesus Christ, standing on earth. I guess it's up there. That's, is that it? Okay, yeah, stand on, you got it. All right. You've got to watch him very carefully because you can, you go where Brother Brown preaches this, 
uh, three out of four times, and you'll end up oneness. You'll end up one like your finger every time. Because once he thinks you understand, he blends it through his understanding, which you think you understand, but you don't understand his understanding. See, you think you understand, but do we understand how he understood? I'm trying to get across his understanding because he was a prophet to straighten out my understanding. All right. He said, now, here is that one person, person, Jesus Christ, standing in the water. He simply said, this man here, Jesus, is a person. All right, now here's how they come up with it. Brother Gregory believes that there's two gods and there's two persons in the Godhead. Not so. There is only one person in the Godhead, and that's God. God is one single person. Now, the Godhead, which is spirit, God, can be in you. If God is in you, would the person of God be in you? In a measure, in a form, in a type, it would be so. But you would not be the person of God. You would be anointed by the person of God. So I would be the anointed son and daughter of God. All right. I would be a person, but I would be anointed by another person. That would not make two gods, even though in one sense it does. Because if God is anointed and you are anointed son, you are amateur gods or amateur little ones, which is seed. But we are not God. Only in the sense that you understand. So here is one person standing in the water whose name now is Jesus of Nazareth. What's the titles? Jesus of Nazareth. That would just be his common name. It wasn't Jesus Jones Smith. It was Jesus of where he was from. Now remember, like Brother Bram said, there was probably 500 or 600 Jesus running around over there. So what makes this Jesus distinct from any other Jesus? How many Earls are there? How many Marys are there? How many Sues are there? How many Bills are there? But if, when you single out to individual one identity, then you bring out Earl, Edward, Gregory, dot, dot, dot. You bring out who this one individual is, and this is what he's singling. Now, here is that one individual, one person, Jesus Christ, standing on earth. So how many would believe and accept that he's talking about the man standing in the water? Okay. Then he says, heavens, of course, there's atmospheres, one more. Now, John bear record, watch. Now, that man has got to say, he's talking about John, or that man, which he's talking about this man over here is saying there's three gods here. He said, now that man would have to say, here is God the Father, and here is God the Holy Ghost, like a dove, and here is God the Son standing in the water. If there's a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and here's the Son standing in the water, here's the light coming down as a dove, the Holy Ghost, that would be a God, and the voice in heaven is a God. That would be Father, Son, Holy Ghost, are three gods, making the one standing in the water God. Now remember, there's only one God. So the one standing in the water, now here's where the looper goes, the one standing in the water is not God. He is the only, everybody say only, only begotten Son. Now that is important for you to grasp the rapture revelation. 
Now, don't struggle with it. It's just, it's just there. Your mind will never put it together without understanding the Godhead. Here is God the Son making three persons. Now, he said this is error. It's wrong. But John standing back here, know that this was the Lamb. This Jesus standing in the water, he knew that he was the Lamb of God because he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It was revealed to John that this man was the sacrifice for sin. He was the Lamb. He didn't say, Behold, the King of God, Israel. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Without this Lamb paying the price for Adam's sin, we would still be under sin. If this man is correct, and I believe that he was the Lamb of God, he died and God accepted him and raised him from the dead and set him on his throne, then my sin has been paid for by the blood of this one man. All right. John said, I bear record seeing the Spirit of God, notice, like a dove. There is God the Spirit like a dove. This was the Lamb here. Jesus in the water. Say, I'm the person. This is the Lamb here. The Spirit of God coming down here. This is the Spirit of God coming here to dwell in me. He's coming to dwell in me. When he becomes in me, then I become Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Okay. I'm not Lord yet because no one has a revelation that I am this special person. All right. The Spirit of, the, of God, the dove, was God. The Spirit of God descending from heaven and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. And Brother Branham goes all the way across and makes a statement that Jesus makes. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. That's when he left. Watch. So he ties two statements here together. Two ends of the ministry. But we'll look at This is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. All powers in heaven and earth are given unto my hand. What? See? That's him. The lamb. Now what was his name? He's talking about the one in the water. Now he's asking you. Here's the lamb. What was his name? And everybody said, Jesus. That was his name, Jesus. The congregation says, Jesus. All right. So as far as the Trinitarian theory of being three different gods, he says that's heathenism. Now, he wouldn't be accepted today because that's not politically correct vocabulary. You better not call anybody heathen today because you'll be racist and then you'd be ostracized and you'd be in trouble. See, the devil is squeezing human minds down to where you'll be a robot in fear of not being accepted or being able to exist in a society controlled by the devil himself. All right. That never was taught in the Bible. It never was taught in the, watch where, here's where I was going in the group thinking. It never was taught in the lion message. Now, what he's bringing it, he's injecting the thought of the lion message. 
but it was adopted in the next, which was the calf or the martyr age, which was Antichrist. Ask anybody you want to, any theologian, they never did come, only through the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, and that was in Nicaea Council, 325 A.D. There is why it come out with Martin Luther, the Reformation. That's why it continued on with John Wesley and poured on down into the Pentecostal. Now he's talking about this uh, theory, this misinterpretation of the Trinitarian of being three gods carried on and carried on and carried on and still exists today, which is the very mark of the beast. But notice in the day that the Pentecostal age comes out, and that's in 1910, 12, the 20s, early 20s, right along in there. They got the Jesus-only group. Now, the Jesus-only group is those who understand that there's one God like your finger, and they baptize in the name of Jesus only. That was the United Pentecostals uh, for many, many years, and now they say they baptize in the name of Jesus Christ which is still an error. The Daglog says you baptize in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, it would require revelation for you to know who is Lord that you're calling Jesus the Christ. Have you made this Jesus the Christ your Lord? Because when you're baptized in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, you're proclaiming that you recognize Jesus as Lord. And that you're going to receive his gospel, that believing upon him, that you will never die, and you will be a part of his kingdom to rule and reign with him under his headship as king. Are you following now? So our promise is, if we accept Jesus as our Lord, being our sacrifice, we will be a part of his inheritance, a part of his kingdom. So we must accept him as Lord, Jesus, the anointed one, to be a part of his kingdom as king. Therefore, in his kingdom, we will be made kings and priests in the little minority sense. He will be king of kings and Lord of lords. Now remember, Lord of lords is not God over little lords us it's a master over his disciples are the Lord of lords the Lord God said unto my Lord okay now my Lord is ruling as king I have accepted him as my Lord and he has accepted me in my faith and revelation in him now he's made me a Lord under his lordship, making him my groom or my headship, making him king in a kingdom to rule and reign with him. Now, there will be kings and priests in the millennium. That's another subject. Kings and priests in the millennium, the priests are the enforcers. They're the one that executes the rule of law. They're the ones that will go exercise judgments over those in the kingdom. There's your priests. That's not the loving priest with a tender hand. These, they don't want the priest to show up. 
Because the priest exercises rule and judgment. And will rule and reign as kings and priests with him for a thousand years. All right, so watch. Now, there's God that's written, God, the like God is spending in all parts of the season. That's what now watch Trinitarian. Now, never was taught through the line of the next other every cross of Martin Luther. All right. In the day that the Pentecostals come, come out, they got the Jesus only group. Now, that's wrong. Again, how can Jesus be his own father? Now, you can take one or two approaches to this. You can say Jesus could not be his own father because he was God. And God doesn't have a father. Or you could say that God, Jesus uh, was not God and he had a father who was God. Now, the latter is true. Jesus was not God. But he was a unique person. A one of a kind. Son of God. Son of God. Now, why does the Bible keep saying, call him son of God? If he's son of God, then he must be, God must be his father. If you're, if, if you're my son, I'm your father. If Jesus is the son of God, and he was. Now, the, the oneness now will not accept Jesus being the son of God. Because they do not believe that God had a son. Therefore, they make Jesus God, period, plus. There's nothing else outside of Jesus, and he was God. Therefore, he did not have a father because he was God. Now, that's what a message preacher told me. I said, well, uh, Brother Bram said Jesus can't be his own father. That's easy, he said, because he was God. He is not God. Brother Bram said, how can Jesus be his own father? He's not saying that in the context that he was God. He was saying that in the context that Jesus had a father who was God. He said, see, so it knocks that out. The oneness interpretation of Jesus is knocked out. The Trinitarian position is knocked out. So that only leaves right in the balance where there is one God. And one only begotten unique son who was made co-equal with the father. And how was he made co-equal? Because he was given the name of God. Allowed to sit on the father's throne. And he was given half of the father's kingdom. Making him equal with God. And only in the throne is God said to be greater than the son. All right, watch. But there is supposed to be an eagle time. Now, we're going to get to that in a few minutes, and I'll pick this quote up. There's supposed to be an eagle time that will straighten this dilemma out. This eagle time has to come before the rapture. He said, now, that's it. Uh, there's got to be an eagle time come. That's the time is to straighten out all these mysteries, see? And he's talking about the mystery of water baptism that God hit there. So, Brother Branham is referring to the eagle time. I'll put you in the scripture. It's Revelation chapter 4, verses 6. Uh, and 7, and we'll read verse 7, and the first beast was a lion. He mentioned the lion age. He went out in the lion age. And the second beast, uh, like a calf, he said, there's where the Antichrist come in, Nicolai, and is brought in this dogma. 
And the third beast had a face of a man. That's Luther, Wesley. He referred to that age. And now he refers to the fourth age, which was a flying eagle. Now, here is where we kind of uh, have to divide up a little bit. Everybody wants chronological order. In this Revelation chapter 5 here, or 4, we find the symbolism that four beasts absolutely divide seven church ages. If I had a chart up here, we could draw it out pretty good. Seven church ages covers 2,000 years for the Gentiles. Coming of Jesus to the rapture, you're looking at seven church ages. All right. These seven church ages is identified by seven spirits, seven angels, seven stars, seven candlesticks, seven, seven, seven in the book of Revelation. It's also identified by John in the book of Revelation as four symbolic beasts going forth called the lion, the calf, the, e the man, and the eagle. Now, there are seven seals also that seal up the book. Lion, the calf, the man, and the eagle. Four spaces of time that covers seven church ages. That would put us now, we believe, under the eagle manifestation of God. Now hold your thought for a minute because I know where everybody goes in the message. We have been under the man, but when the Pentecostal age come in, and the Holy Ghost come and change the dispensation. We went under the eagle time of the Holy Spirit. Where God must manifest himself here in this hour to reveal these mysteries. Now, there is only or there is not, there is not just one messenger that was a lion. Now get this because I'm fishing across what you've heard many times. You'll notice now this covers a space of time. So there's not just one messenger that represents the lion. There's not just one messenger that represents the calf age. There's not just one messenger that represents the man. Because we've got Luther, Wesley, Knox, Calvin, Finney, all these men in that age. So there's not just one messenger that represents that age. Neither is there one messenger that represents the eagle time. Now, that's where we crossed right there. Because every preacher would preach that, oh, well, Brother Branham was that eagle because he was a prophet. No, 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 no. We enter into an eagle time, and God is this eagle. And it speaks of time of prophetic, a time of revelation, a time of climax to bring judgment. We are at the rapture time. We are at the end you say, well, Brother Branham was the eagle. He was a prophet, but he was not this eagle. God is this eagle right here. Watch. We all know that prophets are considered and typed as eagles, and that is true. But this is not, as the majority of people may think, this is not William Branham. It is not. Now, I know 99 and 9 tenths of the preachers will disagree with me, but this is not William Branham. Keep in mind that William Branham, we believe, fulfilled... Revelation 10, 7. He's the seventh messenger to finish the mystery of the Gentiles, which would include the rapture. This eagle was represented by Revelation 10, 1. 
God is the eagle. He is the revealer. He is the one that has the power. He's the one that comes down here and makes all these mysteries that's hid in himself or the word made clear. These four beasts symbolizes four manifestations of the spirit through seven church ages. Now, if we're under the eagle age, then we're in the last move of the spirit before the seventh age or the millennium of 1,000 years takes place. If we're at the end and the eagle has come, the seals are open, da-da-da, we can bring you all the way down to the end. There's only one thing left for you and I, and that is a resurrection of the sleeping saints, a change of your body, and a trip to the marriage supper for 1,260 days. This is where we're sitting. I believe that the living group of people now has a revelation of the rapture. And we're only waiting for the politics and the world to catch up with the picture where the resurrection can take place and God brings the judgment or the opening of the sixth seal. All right, let's follow it. You have seven ages, seven seals, and this is eagle time. Watch, under the fourth seal. So basically the eagle age would come as the seventh seal. Because this is a mysterious coming or an appearing of God himself. So what you're looking at is that here is an appearing or a coming of God that is absolutely a mystery, a secret to the world. Who can tell when the eagle time makes a transition? Who can tell when we move from Luther, Wesley, Pentecost, uh, Brother Branham? Where, where in here do we shift from the man age to the eagle age? You say, well, that's easy. In 1933, uh, your message full run. Now we've got a prophet on the scenes. It had to shift in that time some peri- somewhere in that period of time. But what's necessary for us to recognize that now it is eagle time where God himself is here. And he is the one that's doing their teaching. He's the one that's doing the leading. The man age has drifted off the picture. Now it is God, the Word, plus nothing. Amen. That's the reason it said Jesus plus nothing. All right? So now we're down to the eagle time. And now under the eagle time, Brother Branham says in the quote we're reading in 1963, under the eagle time, these mysteries will be made known to us And the mysteries have to be made clear to you before the rapture. Because the rapture is a revelation of what God has done and His Word fulfilled step by step until you get up to you that is here now. And here is where God's Word is now. Now we either step over and change or we stay for the tribulation. That's where we are now. All right. So we must receive a revelation of something to cause us to step into a room called the wise virgin or a separation called a called out group that when the bridegroom, behold, the bridegroom is here. Matthew, be, go, come out because the bridegroom, original said the bridegroom is here. So when they heard the voice, the bridegroom is here, wise and foolish went out to meet him. But those that had all are a revelation. 
They say, oh, yeah, I had the Holy Ghost. I'll go in. No, no, it's, you can have the Holy Ghost without this revelation, not go in. With the revelation of the rapture, you entered into a shut-in place called that pavilion that Brother Branham preached in, in Psalms 27. I want to be shut in a pavilion in the presence of God. So we're shut in by a revelation of God's actual presence being here because He has made us known His Word being fulfilled, and we can see He's brought it right down to you and I, the Word now in flesh called the Bride of Jesus Christ. I know that's not real clear, but we look at it. So the Spirit of God moved forth in the first time as a lion. He moved as a young calf on the sacrifice or the martyr age. Then he moves as the face of a man. Men like Luther, Wesley, and many others. But in the last age is God in revelation. Eagle time is God in revelation. This is the age that God takes upon himself the manifested form of the eagle. Now watch what I said carefully. He takes upon himself the manifested form of the eagle. It is the hour of the prophetic or prophet. So Brother Branham is the prophet. He is the one, seventh church age messenger. He is Revelation 10, 7, to whom this one, this eagle, God himself, comes to, to reveal himself through. So he's Revelation 10, 7. When God is this great revelation, where God himself is the great creature called this eagle that is represented and manifested in this last hour, it is the Logos. It is the Word. It comes as a light of which we have the privilege that God allowed his picture to be taken to give us evidence in the science world. So it is God coming to the people are the Word, God, becoming flesh. And we see that in Revelation 10, 7. He tells us a mystery would be finished. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel. The voice of the seventh angel. The voice is basically the voice of God. The, the person being used is the prophet. Jesus was the person. The voice that he was speaking was the voice of God. So in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, we're under that age now. In the days of the voice, we're under the voice. The day of the Son of Man is gone. But we're in the days of that Son of Man is being revealed or becoming flesh as a revelation. So basically, and he said, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, there the mystery of God should be finished. And the mystery of God is dealing with the Gentiles, as I said before. The Gentiles is this little thorn in the flesh to Israel. Now they were blinded now for 2,000 years to graft in this Gentile bride or the church. Without Israel being blinded or rejecting Jesus. And we say, oh, how could they do that? They'd done that because God had in his mind a Gentile bride. And you go back to the story of Joseph, more than the son. He had a Gentile bride. So he has to cut the Jews off. He blinds them. That they cannot see their Messiah now for 2,000 years. But at the end of 2,000 years when the bride is up here at the marriage supper. He comes back and he opens their eyes of understanding under two prophets. And they awaken in 144,000 Jews. They see him as their atonement. 
as the anointed one, now they're king. And are allowed to enter into the millennium. Watch. So the Gentiles is the mystery. They couldn't understand the Gentiles receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How did they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? They believed and received that Jesus was the Lamb of God. That He died for our sins. The Jews are still looking for their king. When He didn't serve the purpose, He was king, but He had a role as a lamb. When He didn't fulfill the role of the king, they said, well, He wasn't king. When are you going to set up your kingdom? And they all got killed off looking for a kingdom. What is our promise? Looking for a kingdom. You are promised to live and reign with Jesus Christ 1,000 years in an immortal body by receiving Him as the Son of God, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, that has been appointed King, that was set down on the Father's throne, has now overcome until every name on the book has been redeemed, and we're now we're in... We're in the body. We're in the Word. The book is done, fulfilled. Now He sets us up in the kingdom to set another section of the book. So we come in by the baptism of the Holy Ghost that was a mystery to the Jews. You go back to the book of Acts and they argue with Peter. How come you take the gospel down? What more? He said, well, I went down and God baptized them with the Holy Ghost like it did in us. But they couldn't understand it. All right, Paul, you go preach to the Gentiles. And we'll, take, we'll keep the message to the Jews. But preach now. Don't eat nothing with blood in it and sacrifice. Oh. So you had a separation back in the early day. Paul had took the message to the Gentiles. Peter stayed with the Jews. You see where they ended up. They killed them all off in AD 70. Basically, the Israel and the gospel of the Jews is basically shut down. And here we continue on, continue on with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now watch. Now, I know that's quite a break, but we go back to, that was 176. He said, eagle time is to come and straighten out uh, the mysteries uh, of the God. Hey, watch. In verse 77 now, he continues on. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is titles of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to watch them close now. Watch. All three of them. Now, what is he saying then? You've got to have all three titles or all three parts properly revealed to you to have a proper water baptism for the remission of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I know the Pentecostals, we prayed around the altar and we fasted and we done everything until we spoke in tongues and then we say we got it. That wasn't it. You receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost by a revelation of Jesus. And proper water baptism in the name of the Lord. You've got to see Him as your Lord. Jesus, the anointed one. With the promise of receiving the Holy Ghost. Now watch. Peter said, now watch. Matthew said, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's Matthew 28. Where Jesus said, go forth and uh, preach the gospel of every nation, baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Not in the name of, the name of, the name of. But there's one name that covers three titles. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are three titles of one person. He said over here in Peter, he jumps back over in Peter in Acts 2. There's been the argument for 2,000 years where Peter said, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now if you notice the prophet there used the uh, original Daglog translation, not the King James. He went back to the Daglog translation because in Acts 2, you can read your Bible, it just says baptized in the name of, of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. 
Brother Bram goes back and he's making a specific correction in doctrine now. Taking the short out why people don't get it. He's taken all three titles. You must receive him as Lord Jesus Christ. You can believe in Jesus Christ. But have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? The Baptists say, well, I had the Holy Ghost when I believed. Not so. Have you received the Holy Peter said, have you, Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, we don't even know whether there be any Holy Ghost. Then he asked that famous question that everybody gets tired of hearing. Then how was you baptized? See, it's very simple, but you can't have error in your birth cycle. Or you got problems. Peter said, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Bram asked a question, and I want to refer to this because everybody uh, kindly, I wouldn't say slander, but they frown on me using Psalms 110, one the Lord said to my Lord. But it's the key to me. For my understanding, I have to use that as the key. If I try to mix that and leave that out, I, I'm just floated all over the place. Brother Bram asked the question, who is the Father? Now, he's trying to get the doctrine of the God here straight. Then watch what he quotes. The Lord said unto my Lord. Now, you can check your own computer. Like one preacher said, well, that's in your computer. It's not in my computer. You can check your own computer, and it will say right there, Brother Bram said, the Lord said unto my Lord. And he's trying to straighten out the difference between this person in the water and God. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. Is that right? Is that right? Did he say it? Father. The Lord. Father. Son. Jesus. Holy Ghost. The Logos that went out of God. Now you got to watch what he's saying there. He's explaining these three. It's not like you think it is. You got to get his understanding. Watch. Father. Son. Holy Ghost. Is absolutely three titles of the person of God. Now he starts his sermon out over here. Or explanation out. Telling you that this person standing in the water. Is Jesus. Now he's talking about the person of God. You say well brother Gregory. You're saying there's two persons in the Godhead. No no no. Jesus is not in the Godhead. The Godhead who is God. Was in Jesus. One God. There's only one God. And there's only one Godhead. Three gods don't make up a Godhead. One God makes up Godhead. Holy Spirit God. That Holy Spirit God was in His Son. And come at the water baptism. Watch. It's absolutely the three titles of the person of God. Watch. Manifested in three different ways. Three different attributes of Himself. To make it plain to someone who wouldn't understand, it's like three offices of the same God. Actually, it's three attributes of the same God. God acted in three different, watch, under the fatherhood, that's through the Old Testament, Lord. Under the sonship, which was Jesus' ministry for uh, three and a half years. Now, under the Holy Ghost dispensation, which has been the last 2,000 years or seven church ages. God is perfect in three. And He said, 
Well, you remember the Antichrist number is four. See, Father, see God. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is absolutely Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch what you're saying there. He's absolutely telling you that the name of God is Lord. He took on the name of His Son, Jesus. And He, he is the Christ. So the name of God is Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord. The Lord's name is Lord. He took the name of Jesus. I shall call His name Jesus. And Jesus, I come in my Father's name. So His earthly name is Jesus. He is the anointing. He is not the anointed one. He is the anointing. Making the name of God, Lord Jesus Christ. Now then, he said unto my Lord, whose name was Jesus, who was the anointed one called the Christ, the name of the Son is what? Lord Jesus Christ. He said, oh, you better get un because the Lord Jesus Christ said unto my Lord Jesus Christ, sit on my throne until I make all thy enemies thy footstool. I, I know, watch that, watch. There is, watch, but this is Lord Jesus Christ. Tells exactly who he is. Now, see, I'm acquainted with many Jesus. Uh, the country is full of them. But this is the Lord Jesus Christ. Tells exactly who he is. Who he is. The one in the water. The lamb. There's many Branhams. See, you're referring to himself now. If you want to talk about me personally, but I'm the one William Merriam Branham. Now, Brother Branham is bringing out a key on water baptism because he's saying that you must understand that Jesus was the anointed one. He was the Messiah. He was the Lamb, making him now by faith your Lord. Not your God, your Lord. He is the head of the kingdom. He made him your king. He made him our bridegroom. See, that's me. But there's many William Branhams. That's baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. There's many William Branhams and so forth. But this is distinctly calling one person the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, which person is he talking about? The Lord or the, my Lord? He's talking about my Lord. Watch. See, the anointed one. This one is anointed. God doesn't need to be anointed. He is the anointing. So he's talking about this person, Jesus, standing in the water, the Lamb of God. His full name now at the end is Lord Jesus, the anointed one, Christ. There is only one of them. There's only one like this one. I'm trying to get across to you where I'm coming from. I'm not saying that you have to be a group think. That everybody in here has got to say, well, i got to think like Brother Gregory. No, you don't. You have to get your own revelation. If you think I'm wrong, then you ought to politely ask me or tell me that I, I believe it's some other. You have a right to do that. I will respect your belief because it's not easy to understand. You can read a quote. And I can read you another quote and prove that Jesus is God. But to my understanding of the scripture, there is only one unique, only begotten son, born of a virgin. 
Now there's a mystery where the Jews won't accept. Born of a virgin. Never known a man. Not a maiden now. See? Born of a woman. Never knew a man. By a creative act in her womb. God created both male and female in her womb. Making his blood the created blood of Almighty God. And that's what made him the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Amen. All right. Now, if he is the anointed one, who is the anointed one in the scripture? I'm going to run through this real quickly and we go to something else. In Luke 4, 18, it tells you that the spirit, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus said he was the anointed one. And what was he anointed by? The spirit of the Lord. Go back to our text. Here stands Jesus in the water. Was he anointed at that time? No. When was the anointing come? When the Spirit of God descended from heaven in the form of a dove, that was the Spirit of God, entered into him, and the voice said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm pleased to dwell. Now he is anointed. He is the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit, making him. God manifested in his tabernacle our flesh. Now God is being manifested. What we're trying to get the church to see is now God is manifested in eagle time. He's manifested as the word. But that word now is not in just William Branham. See the prophet. That's where everybody wants to go. But he's coming down and anointing each and every one of his bride with the headship of who he was. The revelation Making the complete body of believers the sons and daughters of Almighty God. We are the Messiahs. We are the anointed ones with the final anointing of God Himself. Amen. Acts 10, 38. Watch how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now you cannot have simple language and make Jesus God and read this scripture right. How God anointed and... He's singling it out. Jesus, he didn't even call him Jesus Christ, which could be the Logos. He's saying, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Trinitarians say, see, there's three. There's not three. There's only one God and one person, one son, uniquely born, called Jesus the anointed one. Who went about doing good, healing all the sick and oppressed. For God was with him. See, for God was with him. How many is getting, how many understands that? For God was with him. All right. Hebrews 1 9. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God. Now, if you read the text, this is speaking of Jesus. And we'll get there in a later in the chapter where we want this morning. But in your notes, you'll find out in Hebrews, he's talking about of which angel did he say, sit on my right hand, what are more, what are more. But here in verse 9, it says, and hated iniquity. Therefore, God. Even thy God. So this one that's anointed, sitting on the throne, which is called the throne of God, has a God. Hath anointed thee. Talking about the anointed one, which is Jesus the Lamb. Watch. With the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Who's his fellows? You and I are sons and daughters of God. 
but not in the same role, the same office that this one was in. We are born of sin. This is born by the foreknowledge of God to remove sin. Watch. So there is only one Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about the man. There's only one Lord Jesus Christ. Because in Matthew 1, 1, it says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Watch. Already called him Jesus, the anointed one. The son of David. The son of Abraham. And we know that, that to be Jesus, the son of David. Then Jesus, uh, Jesus asked the question. Then the Lord said to my Lord. Uh, then how can he be? If David said the Lord said to my Lord. How can he be David's son? And they didn't ask her no question of what. Matthew 1.16, and Jacob begat Joseph, the uh, husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ, or the anointed one. Matthew 16.16, 16, Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the anointed one, watch, the son of the living God. That's who this person is. Acts 2.36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now remember, he said, see, there's one God. No. The Lord said unto my Lord, set thee on my right hand. This is the one on the right hand who has now been made both Lord and Christ. He was the anointed one. He had his ministry as anointed one. Now God has set him at his throne, making him Lord. So this one whom you crucified, God has made both Lord Jesus Christ. Made him both Lord and Christ. His name is Jesus. So he's made him Lord over his kingdom. He was the anointed one, and his name is Jesus. All right, I hope hope you, I know that's about his... Acts 8, 16. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Now here's how you receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You say, well, he didn't put Christ there. Well, Peter put in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, put, you have to put the word together to get a revelation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All right. What did Jesus receive? His Father's name. So what would his name be? Lord Jesus Christ. Father. Okay. Now, so there's only one God who is spirit. And only one created son, Jesus, that God made Lord, King, and Master. And the anointed one called Christ. And there's only one of them. There's only one of a kind son. And there's only one God. How many, can, how many will halfway agree with Or I'll put it there. How many sees where I'm trying to get to? There's only one God who is spirit. There's only one of a kind unique son, which is Jesus, who is unique. That God said, I'm going to make him Lord over the kingdom. I'm going to make him the head of the family. He's going to make him the big brother. All you others are brothers. I'm your father, but this one is unique. I'm going to anoint him above thy fellows, which is, we're the fellows. So if he's our brother, but he's our bridegroom, and we call him Lord, 
meaning your master of the house, and we understand the role that he played to get me there, we won't have no problem of who's who and who's what and being co-equal. I'm just as much a son of God as you. No, no, no. I will willingly submit to him as Lord of the kingdom. He is Lord. Amen. Watch of Hebrews. God in sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us. It says by his son, but it's actually in his son. The original says in and not by. Whom watch? Whom he hath appointed heir of all things. God has been appointed heir of all things. Watch. By whom also he made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory. And the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. Your sins have been purged. They are gone. But you have to receive the gospel of the kingdom. I think, Karen, I think y'all need to come. I don't know what time it is. What time? Ten? It's late. Y'all want to come? We preach March 16. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. All right. That scripture has been laying there for the church for 2,000 years. The prophet of God made the statement. Who can fulfill Mark 16? The Baptists cannot do it. He said the Pentecostals cannot do it. He said only those restored by Malachi 4 will be able to make Mark 16 work. Our minds being Pentecostal, we always think about what I'm going to do, what great works I'm going to do, what miracles are going to be performed by me. No. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. See, preach the gospel. He that believeth the gospel shall be saved. What gospel should we be preaching today that if you believe and and baptize, you'll be saved? It's the gospel of the kingdom which is what the gospel Jesus preached 2,000 years ago. Look, if Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, do you think when he left, he told the disciples, now you go make up your own gospel and preach something else, and if they believe on me, if they do this, go to church, what more they'll be saved? No, go preach the gospel to every creature. What gospel was they go sent to preach? The gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, if I'm alive... I've got to be changed. If I'm dead, I'm going to be resurrected. Go all the way back here to their problem. Jesus preached, you believe on me, you shall never die. All right, people started dying. Now then, what do you do? You start questioning. Well, Jesus said, I would never die. So they asked Paul, what about those that are dead? Uh, we're looking for Jesus to come set up the kingdom. We got the problem. He said, I'm going to give you, show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But at the last trump, you're going to wait all the way over here until the Omega. When God himself comes back down in his pillar fire like he was here. And preaches the gospel of the kingdom. And the kingdom to us is the revelation of the rapture. That's the mystery. 
They didn't get it. They asked Paul, all the New Testament is asked, well, what about the, what about the kingdom? What, the great mystery was, how are we going to be a part of his kingdom when we're dying and those that are asleep and whatever more? We got problems. And, uh, what about the resurrection all that? The gospel of the kingdom was, you will be with me in my kingdom. So Paul brings out, those that are asleep will be raised at his appearing. Those that are alive will be changed. So the mystery that starts the church was the revelation of the kingdom or the rapture. What is the church is the revelation of the rapture, which is the kingdom of God. How many follow me now? So the rapture reveals to you the kingdom of God is at hand. Brother Branham preached the kingdom of God. Which brings us the revelation of the rapture. Watch now. Uh, right here, and I'll, I'll finish it up. Who being appointed person our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. What name did Jesus obtain? He obtained the name of God, which was Jesus. He was made Lord, and he was anointed. Watch. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, not my co-equal, not the second person in the Godhead. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, that's when he's born of a virgin, well, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. So this unique one is allowed to receive worship. Now, only God can receive worship, but this unique one was allowed to receive worship by what he done, not who he was. Watch now. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angel spirits and his minister of flame of fire? But unto the Son, he saith, and we'll get to this in the next study, thy throne, O God. This anointed one has a throne. And we'll get to it in Corinthians. He must reign on this throne. Jesus must reign on the throne until the last enemy is put under his feet, which is death. When does Jesus begin to reign? And when does he put all enemies under his feet in the eighth day in New Jerusalem? That's what we're looking at. And there's certain things that must transpire. Jesus must begin his reign on the Father's throne before resurrection and rapture. So who climbs up on the Father's throne? I read you the quote. At the opening of the... Not the opening. I misquote that. At the revealing of the seven seals. He said, when does this take place? That this one on the throne hands the book. Jesus hands the book to the one on the throne, which is God. God takes the open book now. Comes down here to earth in Revelation 10, 1 with the open book. He said, now Jesus climbs up on the Father's throne and sets down when at the revealing of the seven seals. Not the opening, the revealing of the seven seals. Because the seals was open down through four dispensation or seven church ages. And now we're under the fourth seal of time. And the rapture and the resurrection will take place under the fourth seal. The mystery is how. There's where they misunderstand the seventh seal, which 
is the coming of the eagle himself, God, to reveal these mysteries to you that you won't be caught underwear. And when he comes as a thief in the night, he's only a thief, and the only, only ones that knows that he's not here is those that are not ready. Amen? I have to stop right there because I think the time's done right. Well, let's stand this morning and thank God for a voice to be able to get through the service. Amen. What are we going to sing? I don't know what to sing after that. I know that I keep repeating this over and over. And you say, well, I got it, I got it, let's go to something else. Well, let, let's make sure we got it because this has to take place in our heart. This should be our light. This is our revelation. This is our security. This is knowing like Abraham know there's going to be a rapture. See? People said, oh, you, Brother Vester, you got to have a revelation like Abraham. Well, how did Abraham have? What did he have? He believed what God told him that he was going to have a son. Regardless of what conditions was, he still believed he was going to have a son. He said, take the rapture revelation just like Abraham. Believe that there's going to be one and that you are in the rapture cycle. No matter what situation I hear, believe there's going to be a rapture and you are a part of it. Just stay right there like Abraham. There will be a rapture. You see, well, the prophet's been gone 50 years and everything says there will be a rapture. You believe that? Amen. What are we going to say?